You read the Bible, Greg. You talking to me? I'm a long sample. Keep up. Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Uh, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. So what you want? Jesus freaking got a bad feeling about this. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Each and every man under my command owes me 100 net scouts. <laughs> Start see pictures, eh? Oh wow. Thank you for that. Hello and welcome to the Film and Loathing Podcast for Sunday, November 15th, 2020. This is episode number 89, and I'm Jake. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Coming up, we've got a couple of reviews for you. We'll be talking about uh, Sofia Coppola's new film, On the Rocks. We'll also be discussing <clears throat> the new comedy, Kajillionaire. Might get into some other things that we watched and then whatever else comes up along the way. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. How are you guys doing this week? Couldn't be fucking better. Dynamite. So Zach, you've had me hooked since yesterday. I'm very curious to hear about what your Barnes and Noble haul was, because you said you scammed the system. So tell me about I, it. Well, fair and square got some uh, a pretty good deal. I definitely did not cause a scene. Um, I fair don't and square. So, I go to Barnes & Noble, right? I'm an impatient person. I don't want to order online. I will Fair make enough. the hour drive to Augusta to get them in my hands Wait, right that's now. the nearest? That's the nearest Barnes & Noble? Yes. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> so, I drive down there. I start perusing through, and it seems like they've been pretty well picked over. Like, there's quite a bit of stuff and it's stuff that I already have or you know so I I got my a couple mitts full of things and I had already placed an order online to be picked up in the store so I was just picking that up plus whatever else I wanted to add uh, I think I probably ended left the store with um, probably like 26 things when it's all said oh. and Fucking gosh, dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> I go to the counter, and the girl's like, oh, did you leave anything for anyone else? And I was like, no. I'll be back for one. <laughs> so she starts like, scanning through, and, you know, she was like, oh, okay. This seems to be a pretty big sale. And I was like, yeah, honestly, it's the only time I really buy them because it's, you know, 50% off. And she was like, yeah, yeah, no, I get that. She asked if I was a Barnes & Noble member. I said yes. It's like it gives me an additional 10% off. Everything doesn't matter. It basically just takes the tax off. So I don't – it is truly $19.99, not whatever plus tax. Sure. So then I have a coupon valid for in-store only purchases that weekend. 15% off the entire order. 
And she says, I, I display said coupon. She goes, well, you know, I really can't use that on sale items. And I was like, really? Doesn't say on the coupon you can't use it for sale items. She's like, well, I'm really not supposed to use it on sale items. And I was like, that sounds like important information that you should put on the coupon then if that's if that's the policy. But it doesn't say that, so I don't I don't know why we can't use it. Well I'm gonna have to check with my with my manager. Yeah, that's fine. I'll wait. I got time. She goes and she gets the manager. The manager comes back and tries to tell me the same thing. She said, Sir, uh we're really not supposed to use these types of coupons on sale items. And I said, look, I, I totally get that if that was your policy, but it doesn't say that on the coupon, so I don't see how it could be a policy. <laughs> Valid. Well, you're right. It doesn't say that on the coupon. And I said, then it looks like we don't need to go any further here. So she you goes, motherfucker. I'm so fucking terrible, dude. And she goes, well... Since you're getting so much, I'll let it slide. But just know that in the future, all of our coupons exclude sale items. And I said, well, thank you. I really appreciate you doing that for me. But in the future, you should also say that on the coupons. Like, you you're going to fucking go back with the coupon, aren't you? You piece of shit. So, rings it through. All 26 criteria, 75% off. It's awesome. <clears throat> 75% off. See, I did have a Barnes & Noble coupon for 10% off, but then right on the coupon it says cannot be used for Criterion sale. It's a ripoff. So then I threw the coupon away and cried a little bit. <clears throat> so what did you get? <clears throat> what are some of the big ones? What are some of the big ones? Hmm. Oh yes. I got. I got parasite. I got parasite. Uh, scenes from a marriage. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was very excited about this one. Uh, Paul Schrader's The Comfort of Strangers. Uh, I got. Sisters, the Brian De Palma movie. I got the Piano Teacher. Uh, Damn, how big is how big is the Augusta's Criterion selection? It's pretty good. It's a pretty good size. Uh, I got David Cronenberg's The Brood. Uh, Paris, Texas. Uh, apparently, a movie called Christ Stop Eddie Bowley. I, I don't know about that one. Apparently, like he did. <laughs> You rebought Paris, Texas. I did. <laughs> Chris, I uh, knew I got... this because when the stimulus checks came around, I bought Paris, Texas off of him. What in the fucking <laughs> fuck, dude? Well, now we're getting into my online purchasing. Okay, okay. I got. Uh... Oh yes, Travol, the Denis film. Uh, here. Here is Parasite. Looks gorgeous. It does uh, look good. I wonder how long it will stay unopened until I actually watch it. 
probably forever. I go. I am very curious to listen to the Bong Joon Ho interview on that. I uh, I got Lars von Trier's "Breaking the Waves." Uh, Damn, Eddie Coyle. The Criterion selection in, in Augusta is way better than the one that's in Boulder for me. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Then I also got... Um, I've been meaning to get this for... I got The Elephant Man, finally. Nice. Um, uh, the Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. And mm-hmm. the Pretty so, solid haul. Yeah. It was a uh, a great day. Great day. It's, to a deal solid, with. it's a solid haul. A great time for physical media. I am thriving. And to cap it all off, the five Transformer films on Steelbook. Yeah, we and, forgot, and forgot to mention Raiders. that. Pretty solid. I'll fucking do you, dude. And that was, I mean, it goes. The sale goes to the thirtieth. And it's literally the fifteenth, so there's there's time for more. You could have, <laughs> you could have, with the amount you spend on movies, you probably could have funded your own movie by this point. You guys, with the amount that I spend on movies, I could not live at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I just filled up my second shelf today, so I gotta get a third and stick it in the spare bedroom. You're gonna separate collections? I have no choice. I got no room in the living room. Are you gonna separate it by uh, area? No. This is an interesting dilemma. What do you separate out to put on the special shelf in the bedroom? And what gets put out in the living room? Is the living room for just the bulk of the movies, or is the living room meant for special things? There's two th- there's two schools of thought that I'm leaning towards right now. One is just to simply take keep it all alphabetical, everything mixed in. Just take the bottom shelf, put it on the top shelf of the new one, so that way I've got it. You know, I've got a shelf going, empty shelf on the bottom to kind of keep going. That way you can just roll through films like that. The second thing I've been wanting to do is I've been wanting to. Divide my sh- divide my collection based on format or movies you actually like and movies that you just bought because they were seven ninety nine in the Best Buy sale section. So that would be depending on where they fall, either alphabetically or in this other way. I want to do what, what I'd like to do is you also happen to get for seven ninety nine. It's a gray area. You can't separate that way. Oh, I want to okay. start – I want to separate – put all the criterions first, then put all my 4K films next, then the Blu-rays. Are you going by number for a criterion? No, I'd probably group them alphabetically oh. still. But then the dilemma becomes then if I do it that way is that some films I have – you know, take, take for example Star Wars, for example – I've got four, five, six, seven, eight on 4K. I've got one, two, three on Blu-ray. Do I really want to separate those out? You take Rambo. One, two, three on 4K and solve your problem. That's what I'm. That's what I'm leaning towards. It's like some of these things I gotta buy on 4K to make it all consistent, 
then I can start arranging that way. Because I've also got the last Rambo movie on 4K with the other four on Blu-ray. So I gotta up, bump those up to 4K so I can have my own separate selection. That's what I'm thinking about doing. I've been thinking about doing that for a while. Where does Rosie and the Complete Series go? I don't own it, so I don't have to worry about it. He's Where waiting for Mar- the Connors to finish. Series go. Where's Bucko? Married with Children, the Complete Series. I also don't have that, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Where do you put the first two seasons of The Monsters? Also don't have that, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I gotta ask, how does Rachel feel about this? She's funny. <clears throat> because when I first wanted to buy the 4K TV, she started, she was, you know, thinking, you can't tell the difference. It's no such, that's not possible. So I said, okay. So I bought the 4K TV anyways. I bought the 4K TV for me. I put on Planet Earth one night, and she goes, oh, my heaven. Oh, my stars. I can tell a difference. And I said, I, I know you can. <laughs> then I started buying more movies on 4K, and she goes, you can't tell the difference between a Blu-ray and a 4K. Pop a 4K movie in. Oh, my heaven. Oh, my stars. This looks beautiful. There are some, though, I can't imagine I'd be able to tell the difference. But if I watch, like, that last scene in First Man on 4K, yeah, at that point I could probably looks, tell the It's great. It's great. I bet it is. Yeah, there's something. Do you have a 4K there's... television and a 4K player? I have a 4K television. I don't have a 4K player. I'm waiting to get um, the new Xbox or the new PS5. I haven't decided yet. You should get that. Um, there's the 83-inch 8K TV. It's only $10,000. You should get that. Dude, I'm waiting for the OLED to get less expensive because I really fucking want one. Yeah, I really want an OLED. Every time I go to Best Buy, I just like instantaneously book it for that TV so I can watch the like flowers with like the water dripping <laughs> off of the petals and shit. And the hummingbird hey, going into the flower. In stuff to watch? Huh? Do you guys mind if I bring in my own stuff to watch? Just bring in, like, a lawn chair and just sit it right in front of it. Wow, those blacks are really black. Uh, do you know how those things work? OLEDs? I am aware, yes. Yeah, my gosh. I was talking to somebody at Best Buy about how they work, and I was just like, that's insane. Like, it's absolutely... How it works? What do you mean? It's, it's like, OLED, I know OLED stands for something light-emitting diode. Yeah, well, it's like, the whole. usually on a television, the whole entire screen is lit in the back but they have a smart technology now in the OLEDs where it only it senses the picture and it turns off the lights behind the screen when it's black so the blacks get like really black and like the lights pop out so much more because of it and now yeah, so we're must... getting into what we call the panel lottery I fucking want that... so bad <laughs> It's very, very common for that technology to malfunction because it has not been perfected yet. Yeah, isn't it especially true like LGs? Don't they have a lot of issues? Sony's have a lot of problems. LGs have a lot of problems. You can buy replacement panels or they will replace your panel for free 
but that that's a nightmare of its own. Well, that's why you just gotta get the warranty on the television. So then you just cash in on the warranty, get the new television, hope the panels are fine, and if not, you just keep doing it. That's why you just keep getting VHS tapes. You don't even have to worry about it. Just revert back to old media. I'm going to buy Get the big box TVs. Bring those reel. back. Bring back Start the tube buying. TVs. Come on, guys. I wonder if they have a Criterion sale on 35mm prints. Just project it. That would be so fucking expensive. Yeah, it would. Tell that to Quentin Tarantino. I've been really feeling like watching Tomb Raider on 35mm lately, Zach. Can you find that for me? Now you're talking. Transformers Revenge of the Fall on 35mm. <laughs> I don't even know how you'd go about finding that. You have to know someone that knows someone. Better yet, get Dark Side of the Moon on 70mm. What's the one with the Tyrannosaurus Rex Transformer? I don't know, but I'll find out. <laughs> yeah, you let me know. I think that was one I saw in... Age of Extinction, you know I'm pretty sure. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, I saw that piece of shit in theaters. Hey, hey. You don't even need to say hey, hey. It's already justified for you. Yeah, I don't care if I ever watch these. I have them. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> what the fucking fuck? I was trying to explain this to someone. They were saying, like, they were asking me, I was like, oh, like, oh, I went to Best Buy and Bull Moose and shit, just got some stuff. That's all I did on my day off. I'm like, why do you buy movies? And I was like, what kind of a question is that? What else would I do? I work 65 hours a week. What else would I do with my money? Save it? That's stupid. <laughs> that is stupid. <laughs> like, do you watch them? I was like, it's, it's really not about watching them. It's literally just having them. That's all I really want. It's not about having the movies because you go through phases where you sell them all off. It's about spending the money. That might be true too. That could be the root of it. <laughs> yeah, Zach, you're uh, you got the, whatever that whatever that part is in your brain when you do a credit card transaction just gets flooded with endorphins. <laughs> it's but it's fine. That's fine. I have the same thing. It's more like, see, like, I've decided now that I'm not going to sell anything anymore. I'm going to keep everything. You're going to have to get no a storage longer, unit. I want to go back through our old episodes and find the episodes where Zach talks about being a minimalist. Make a montage <laughs> and just put it into the end of an episode. <laughs> no, just, just, the, just, the progression of, just the progression of Zach. I am an enigma, all right? I'm like a Haley's Comet. You are a Haley's Comet. <laughs> Every 70s days, his his opinions on something change based Maybe. on how he's feeling. At least, and like, I'm... he actually genuinely feels that way every 70 days, though. It's not like he's just choosing to feel another way. Like, he deeply yeah, he staunch... feels that way. He staunchly takes a position. <laughs> and then I commit to that position for as long as it benefits me. You and then plant... when I get a new position, I take that one. You plant your feet in the ground for 70 days, and then you take a step to the right, and you plant yourself again for another 70 days. Well, this is kind of how it goes in my head. It's like, uh, you know, like I don't mind having like an extra 600 bucks right now. So then, like, I'll sell some things, 
And then it's like, well, what am I going to do with the 600 bucks? Like, Fuck it, buy. might as well buy Valkyrie again. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> buy all six paranormal activity movies. Like, I, I should have those. <laughs> do you still have all the Saw films, or did you sell those off? I have all the Saw films. Okay. Yeah, I have things... Okay, I... I live at home. I don't entertain guests, but in my mind, there are things that I buy because they're crowd pleasers. It's like if I were to ever entertain guests, there's a good chance they might want to watch something like this. So I should have <laughs> this locked and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of do the same thing. I look at something and I go, you know what? If for some chance this random person comes over who likes that movie were to come over, I'm glad I have it. It's like so if someone's just gonna have like a shelf, like a people pleaser shelf. It's like so I, you can just be like, this shelf is for you. That's gonna else. be the that's gonna be the spare shelf. It's gonna be all the people pleaser movies. Like, hey, just go in that other room and just find the movie you want to watch. It's like, yeah, you may want you. You're gonna be tempted to look at these other two shelves, but I'm gonna spare you the trouble. Don't bother. Are those Transformers Blu-ray or 4K? Blu-ray. Mm. Blu-ray DVD digital. Nice. See, it's like, personally, I don't have much interest in watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show or Hocus Pocus, but someone that comes over might be interested in watching those things. So, so you're I glad you have it. Ready. You realize that really people only want to watch, like, Hocus People only want to watch Hocus Pocus like one time of year. So you're buying a movie for everybody else, essentially. You're justifying spending your money for everybody else. So if you think about it, it's a selfless act. When Arrow for the people. When Arrow was having kids. its when Arrow was having its fifty percent off sale, I bought Elvira, Mistress of Evil. And it like happened to randomly come up on this like station we were listening to at work, and I was like, Oh hey, I just bought that movie. And so now every week my boss is like, hey, have you watched Alvira yet? And I'm like, nah, the season's passed. I think I'm just going to have to sit on it for next year. (laughs) (laughs) Can't justify it. Four days before Halloween, I got got Prevenge, Pumpkinhead, Black Christmas, Scare Package, Spree the Owners, and the silencing, right? I got all those, and I was like, Halloween should be pretty fun. I'll just watch some of these. I worked all day Halloween. I didn't watch any of them. And now, I have to wait until next year. Exactly. You got them for next year. Like, I bought David Gordon Green's Halloween on 4K. <sighs> I missed it. You guys are just for next year. ahead, though. You know, you're, you're preparing yourselves. You're saving yourself some trouble. It's Even true. though next year you're probably going to look through another collection and be like, you know, I think I'll buy this for Halloween this year. Chris, this is what this is what really gets me. This is what makes me mad at myself. I drove to the Best Buy in Augusta to get the Rob Zombie Halloween 4K. Or sorry, Halloween Collector's Edition. Steelbook. I watched it on Netflix on Halloween. You're so, <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> yeah, I can just picture Zach looking over at his shelf, seeing the movie, and being like, and looking back, seeing it on Netflix, looking back at the DVD, and being like, ah, it's too far away. 
<laughs> See, I did buy The Exorcist like two years ago. I missed it last Halloween. This October, though, I finally got around to watching it. So, therefore, hey, purchase paid off. I'm happy for you guys. It's Me more too. just like I got to support Robbie Z. I got to make sure I get everything that he releases. Just so that he knows, like, I got his back. It'd be like betrayal if I didn't buy it. That's what I was saying today to somebody. I said... You know, sometimes it's such a low price that it's almost a betrayal not to buy it. I'm losing money if I don't buy it if it's on sale. It's true, because the next time you see it, it's going to be like 12 Not Do you understand that if I did not buy 26 more Criterions, I'd be losing all that money? It's true. Because they're going to go back up to $40. I'm losing money. You're... You're putty in these companies' hands. Like, you are actual putty. Chris, I like to think of it as that I'm a job creator because if I wasn't going out there and buying things during this sale, they would have no reason to remaster movies and release them. I'm like, sure Barnes and Noble is hurting. For, would be hurting because if you didn't purchase happens, People have a job. This happened to me with The Magnificent Seven. I don't want the Magnificent Seven at all. It oh, was the five ni- or the old one, the new one. Oh, okay. It was five ninety nine, and I every time I saw it at Best Buy, I'd think, ah, like I'm already getting all this. Next time, next time I'm gonna get it. Okay, I, next time I'm gonna get it. Then one day I was in there and it went up to ten ninety nine, and I said, Jacob, you fool, because I will never spend ten for that movie for ten ninety nine, <laughs> but I will at five ninety nine. And I was so pissed that I didn't buy it, and I never want that feeling again. Exactly. <laughs> you were so traumatized by an increase. I was. You're just like, I'm just like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like I should have gotten that at five ninety nine. Like what was I doing? The sense of buyer's remorse that I have is all the thing. It's not what I buy. It's everything that I don't buy when I should have. It's true. That is my buyer's remorse. That's why I bought Immortal Engines for eleven ninety nine. Because the thought of seeing that going back up to twenty two ninety nine and realizing I'll never ever buy that—it's too much. Let's it's just be real. Money. I will never ever buy that movie for twenty two ninety nine. It's not happening. Eleven ninety nine though. In addition to six other movies, yeah, we're talking. Yeah. You, you, We're in you, business. you justify it by mixing it into other movies that you actually want to buy. That's what I was saying. Like, I'll never, it's never going to be the first thing I grab, but when you've already got six others in your hand and you say, you know what? It actually is a pretty good deal for that. Why not? You just throw it in. I think the max I ever spent on a movie, I don't think I ever have bought in a movie like brand new or they're not on sale. The max I've spent on a movie was like 20 bucks for a Criterion. Or no, no, I bought the box set of before trilogy for like hmm. forty. Now you got me thinking what the most I've ever spent on a movie is. I wonder what it's like to live below poverty, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Hey Zach. <laughs> how much would you make if you sold all of your shit? Not as much as you would think, probably. 
that's what I have a hard time understanding. Because if you were like buying stuff that was worth money, that I would get. Like if you could, I bet if, if, I, I, bet if I liquidated, it'd be about two grand. Two grand's two grand though. But like you probably yeah. spent what, like four grand? I we don't need to get into that. Yeah, that's not a number I want no, to think. About. I don't really play the game of how much have I spent and. Yeah. What's a good way to jump off a bridge? <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's got, this has got dark so quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah I th- honestly, I think I'm a bargain hunter. Like, I don't really. I'm like scrolling through these movies, like on my, like in my little like, collector app, and a lot of it's just like, yeah, I got all these like on sale or at a discount. I would, I would say that I definitely have like a, a cap, like. I buy a lot, but I also buy – I don't buy pricey ticket items. Sure, maybe I, I leave Best Buy having spent 100 bucks, but I'm leaving with like you know, 12 things. Okay, so I guess the most expensive movie I've gotten, just quickly going through this, was – this is just movie. It was probably the Prestige 4K. So 30 bucks. Because I bought that for $30. Other than that, like everything. Yeah, I think all of these is like box sets count. I I would say per movie. If you bought a box set, take the price that divided by how many movies are in the box set. I would say. (sighs) Most I spent, if that's the case, is $20. And I'm pretty sure that was when I bought Do the Right Thing. Uh, I would say I'm right around there, probably like 25 dollars. But I really need yeah. to have it. So, yeah, was it Rob, in there. a Rob Zombie steelbook or some shit? I only paid twelve ninety nine for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, what I just got, just technically, I haven't technically, quote unquote, bought it yet, but I pre-ordered it, and I'm just curious what this comes out to. This might be thirty dollars too. Let's see. I can't remember what what I got it for. Is that like twenty five or thirty? What was it? Tenant. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So I just pre ordered Tenant for twenty nine ninety nine. So I you guess can that would be pre order the physical copy already. Yeah. They just they just like came out with a pre order like two days ago. Oh okay. Two or three days ago. When's its official De- release? December. Uh, Hold on. December 15th. When that comes out, we should review that. But I'll tell you what the most expensive movie I'm going to buy is, Chris, and it's $40. Actually, no. That's the most expensive movie I bought. I bought something for – I just bought something for $39.99. That's the most expensive movie I've gotten. What is it? It was Vinegar Syndrome's Beastmaster. Hmm. That would be the most expensive. Yeah, that was thirty nine ninety nine. Oh, I just remember the most expensive thing I've paid for one movie, and I will not reveal it. Come what on, is dude. What's the movie? What's the movie at least? I know what you did last summer. What? Is- what was the price, dude? <laughs> it's got to be it's more than twenty five. <laughs> I print uh, copy. Of I know what you did last summer, 
I got it on eBay for forty eight ninety nine. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the worst purchase I've ever heard. <laughs> I needed it. Yeah. And when the... You know what? I think I have bought some Criterion's full price. I probably have, honestly. I almost bought Anatomy of a Murder at full price. Yeah, but full price for him and full price for us is different. When the tremor, when the Arrow Tremor 4K comes out, I'll definitely buy that, and that's like thirty nine ninety nine. Thirty nine nine nine. So yeah, forty bucks, I guess. Why don't you buy them on the Bulmus website where they're cheaper? Um. Well, Tremor hasn't come out yet, so maybe I will look to, on the Bull Moose website when it comes out. But typically, I find that they're not cheaper. No, the week of the release, they're usually on sale for like twenty four bucks, and then they go up to twenty eight. Mm-hmm. When Tremors comes out, I'll definitely look for it on the Bull Moose website. The same with Criterion; like their full price Criterion's are twenty eight bucks. They're 40 at Barnes & Noble. Hmm. Well, I'm mostly... Anytime I want Criterion, I just wait for the half-off sale. That's I, that's where I am now. I've thought about buying it every week. Like, going, like spending the $25 a week, getting what's there, and then just being done with it. And then I will really just own everything that they put out. Because, I mean, like, honestly, anytime I buy Criterion, it's always in bulk, and it's always during the sale. Everything I buy is in bulk. I'm like a Costco person. Yeah. Like, I'm telling myself that I'm only going to buy Parasite Criterion this time around, but realistically, I'll go in the store, and then I'll be like, oh, look, a copy of Sisters. Oh, look, a copy of that Wim Wenders film that I can't remember the title of. What if you just oh, preloaded it in your uh, in your cart? That way you save yourself the trouble. Chris... Shut your mouth. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what I was thinking. <sighs> well, that was pretty fun. Let's talk some let's talk some movies now. Let's talk some actual movies, not just the purchasing of movies. Sometimes do you guys want to, to, to talk about On the Rocks first or Kajillionaire? Do you care? I don't care. Let's go by release date. So we've got, uh, looks like uh, a Kajillionaire first. Let's see. So Kajillionaire was uh, written and directed by Miranda July. And stars Evan Rachel Wood, Gina Rodriguez, Richard Jenkins, Deborah Winger. And the plot synopsis is two con artists have spent 26 years training their only daughter to swindle, scam, and steal at every turn. During a desperate and hastily conceived heist, they charm a stranger into joining them, only to have their entire world turned upside down. What did you guys think of Kajillionaire? Um, well, I did not like it. Oh. Me neither. Oh, <laughs> I I struggled with it a lot. 
because I feel there are things that are supposed to be comedic that I did not find comedic. I think the whole shtick of Evan Rachel Wood is supposed to be funny, and I couldn't stand her. I think she's terrible. That's funny because she was the only part of the movie that I actually enjoyed. I was actually, or I shouldn't even say the whole time. I found Richard Jenkins to be very difficult to watch in this movie. See, I like Richard that. I will Jenkins. agree with. I like him, but like everything else, I don't know. It, it feels like to me, this felt like if Ryan Johnson had directed Napoleon Dynamite, where it's like <laughs> this kind of like this kind of like offbeat humor, but like everyone has to have but like the Ryan Johnson flourishes where like everyone has to have these quirky traits and yada yada like it just there's large sections of this movie that I found to be vomiting. <clears throat> Give this to Ryan Johnson and I'm down with this movie. Cause I, I could see that playing well if they like you know how like Wes Anderson in his movies makes everything everybody has their own individual like overplayed kind of um, characteristics about them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I would say Wes Anderson is the better version of Ryan Johnson. If I could if I could have seen like an overdone version of what they were trying to do, <clears throat> I would have enjoyed this movie more. But because they tried to keep it at a certain level and not overplay it, it didn't quite have the same effect. I would agree with that. I think trying to keep it grounded somewhat in a reality is kind of the problem. It's, it's, it teeters on this line of like trying to be realistic but also being ridiculous. I just wish it would have committed to being ridiculous. Like like that classic Zach Galifianakis high movie. Uh, what's that called? Masterminds? Yes, that movie. That movie's great. It was more <laughs> masterminds. I would have loved it. Odd comparison, but I'm down with it. I really <laughs> am. Yeah, I guess for me it was less um, specific moments that I found really funny, but more just like scenarios as a whole that I thought were funny and I liked. I like them living next to a bubble factory. Or not like a sanitation area where bubbles flood into their apartment. I liked, I love the concept of old Dolio and how she got her name. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I like them when they're trying to steal that old, like rob from that old man. They're just waiting for him to die. I think I found that to be funny. Um, yeah, so there's just things like that. Like, But definitely the whole time I could not help but think that Essentially, old Dolio was the female version of of a Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I didn't put that together until you guys said that, but I'm kind of down with that. <laughs> like just the way she talks, the way she acts. Like the only thing missing from this is is a is a dance sequence. Which even like if they had like a imagine if they did like a fantastic Mr. Fox type. Like, side shot panning from one side show and, like, showing the process of her breaking into the post office 
and then reaching through, grabbing the package, and then pulling out, and then moving outside of the folk, uh, the post <laughs> office. Yeah, I guess it was just ridiculous enough for me that I thought it was funny, like, that little routine that she does to miss the cameras before she goes into the post office. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I thought that was funny. I just, it just was just laughing during it. Oh, that was funny. Like, like the opening scene, like, I was, I thought was hilarious. And I thought, okay, if it's going to stay like this, yeah. But, like, it just, it doesn't get ridiculous enough like that the rest of the movie. Yeah, I guess I can kind of see, like, what you mean about, like, teetering the line between, like, trying to ground it in some sort of reality, but then also taking certain liberties. Um, but I guess, like, when I was watching it, that never was very apparent to me, and it, so it didn't really stick out, and it didn't really, and it didn't really bother me. Um, like, I kind of, I, I guess I kind of liked and kind of enjoyed, like, them doing, like, petty shit, and kind of, like, how ridiculous it is, like how much money they need to scrape together, but then they're only, like, stealing, like, ties or, like, a toy, and they think they can, like, scam a receipt for it or something, like... That's, that's like, the Richard Bacon stuff I thought was really good. He, like, he's like, do you know how much a tie like this costs? This, this is a really nice tie. Like, that stuff I thought was hilarious, but there's just there's few and far between moments like that. I really like the part where she goes in and she has that voucher for the massage and she's like, all right, $75. She's like, no, that's not how this works. She's like, okay, how about that rock right there? But that's like <laughs> the lowest I'll go. <laughs> There's like down, like, I love the breast crawl. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, I don't know. I got, it wasn't like, it's interesting. Like we can, we can, we'll get to this when we talk about on the rocks like i laughed out loud more on on the rocks than i did this movie but for some reason like i just like the overall like just i just like the overall story and like what was happening in kajillionaire i like the story of kajillionaire i think that's kind of interesting i don't like the introduction of like a fourth character i think that's kind of dumb i wish or having them be a main staple i guess is what i did didn't really like about the fourth character being introduced but yeah it kind of seems like an unnecessary layer yeah if she was just like doing if she was just there to be like a voice of reason in a a very not reasonable world that would have been perfectly fine yeah i can see that it seems it's kind of like setting up this idea that you know like we are the products like of our parents and like we are who we are because we were molded by them and then it introduces this fourth character and like kind of just goes way elsewhere yeah i guess like well i guess they use that fourth character to like shine light on you know, what's it like? What's a good way of parenting? What's not a good way of parenting? How? What's a good way to live life? What's not? But I guess it would have been inter- more interesting to me if sort of old Dolio comes upon those things as her on her own, as in like trying to scam people, and that comes out instead of like another character like literally telling her about and like bringing it to light. Or like if they just 
if the whole premise was based around like the last the one big job, like a big job for them, a big job. But in all reality, it's absolutely something ridiculous. And then from there, she gains some sense of like how blatantly terrible her parents actually are. Then at that point, I would have been down with it. Yeah. Well, well, I thought it was going to be something like, like they tried to pull off some sort of scam and it doesn't work. So then like their way of life kind of comes crumbling down. So then they, they're sort of forced to evaluate like their way of life and whatnot. And like um, maybe it is okay to strive for a little bit in life. Like, you know, Richard Jenkins talks about how everybody wants to be kajillionaires, you know, but like maybe aspiring for like, a, you know, uh, an everyday job or something like that isn't that, you know, is really not that bad. Um, like I thought maybe that's where this movie was heading. And I think that could have been not not saying that where it goes is not is not interesting. I just thought it would <clears throat> maybe just get more chance for comedy and went on and you can sort of tie it all together and, as opposed to where it does go. If I could watch old Dolio get a job, I would have been just elated. It would have been the <laughs> best process. Because it seems like that's where it's heading. Like when she wants to apply to like that gas station, like I thought there might be something out of that and then there'd be conflict with her parents on like her life choices now. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't do that at all. See, like, you made the comparison to Wes Anderson. Like, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of ways in which this movie is somewhat similar to Bottle Rocket and, like, a, kind of like a heist slash scam, like, at the end of that movie is exactly what this movie needs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It gives you the chance to be, like, just so ridiculous and comedic, but just doesn't really capitalize on that. Yeah. But I would say all in all, I definitely liked Kajillionaire. And maybe it is. Maybe on this one, Chris, I'll give it to you. Maybe it is the absence of good material this year. Mm-hmm. Yay, yay. Um, yeah. Anything else you guys want to bring up about uh, Kajillionaire? Um, oh, let me see. Chris, no. anything for you? No, I'm good. I mean, I'm pretty much all set. All right. What do you guys think of this one out of uh, five stars? Uh, I'm going to give it a two and a half. Oof. I was going to go with three. I had a lot of fun with this one. I'm going four and a half. Call me crazy. Dang, dude, that's a full star and a half above me. I liked it. What can I say? I liked it. Certain things I didn't love about it, but I, I had a good time with it. I had a good time. Um. So then, uh, other review we've got here is um on the rocks, written and directed by Sofia Coppola, and it stars Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, and Marlon Wayans. And the plot synopsis is uh, see the story of a young mother who reconnects with her larger-than-life playboy father on an adventure through New York. What did you guys think of On the Rocks? I loved it. Oh, Jesus Christ. I did. I thought it was super freaking funny. 
I'm watching this movie the whole entire time and watching Bill Murray do all this shit. And the whole time I can't help but think, is this actually what Bill Murray is like in person? Because I could totally see this. <laughs> like when he's having that back and forth with the cop, he's like, oh, Tommy O'Callaghan? He's like, yeah, that's my dad. Like I could totally see Bill Murray pulling something like that off. I don't want to sound too harsh or dramatic, but I don't. I struggle to find a reason to why this movie needs to exist. Mm-hmm. This why? is so middle of the road, unfunny. Oh gosh. Garbage. Bill Murray's a riot in this movie. He's really not, though. Like, are you kidding me? He's Bill Murray being classic Bill Murray. He's just pulling his his usual stunts. It's a fucking riot. But what does he pull? You kidding me? His witty banter with just about every single person. I'll admit there are a couple moments where he's like him doing like the singing and him going over just about like every single theory that he has. It gets kind of old to after a point, but like his conversation with the cop or like every conversation he has with the person inside the movie, his his willingness to justify everything that's happening between him and his daughter and them going even further to go to Mexico. And then once they get there, she's just like, are you here to sell an art piece? He's like, no, me and you are here. I just might happen to sell a two million, uh, a very rich painting or whatever. Like that was funny. That's that's the thing though, like about his character, which is that allegedly he's on his daughter's side and trying to catch her husband in infidelity, but he also continually makes excuses as to why the husband would also be participating in infidelity because of the biology of man. I do like that stuff. I found to be, I wasn't sure how I'm supposed to take that. Like he did Rashida Jones. And like he's supposed to be supporting her, but then it's constantly making excuses for basically being like a, a shitty person because that's inevitably what he is. I mean, well, he is I a shitty person. I definitely saw that as a way, as him sort of justifying his own actions in oh, his life. Yeah. Like, I get that, but like, I get it. Like, the, the movie is called On the Rocks, and you're supposed to assume that means Rashida Jones' marriage, but it really is about her relationship with Bill Murray. And I thought they had, like, pretty good chemistry. I just... I find it very hard for... To to buy into the fact that Rashida Jones has all this pent-up anger towards her dad, but then would also be so willing to go along with all of his plans and hijinks. Yeah, I don't don't really buy that. I buy it. I don't buy it. She's a Beastie Boys fan. Not for a minute. (laughs) <laughs> what about Run DMC fan? Not a, not a, for not for a second. <laughs> I also just I didn't find like it's so it's watchable. I don't think it's a terrible movie, but I didn't find it to be very funny. And like I think it, that's interesting coming from like someone like Sofia Coppola, given what she's made in the past. Like it's just just very out of character for her. Yeah, my. See, I I liked it like with Chris, like I I did think it was funny. Like there are some moments that I laughed and whatnot, but I have a problem with the story all in all. And it reminded me a lot of a um, 
Noah Baumbach film. And like trying to deal with like the struggles of people in high upper class society. And I I always struggle with those kinds of movies to begin with. Why? But well, it's hard to it's I guess it's it's hard to sympathize with the struggles of people that you that like you just don't live that life. You know what I mean? I guess so. It's like it's hard. So it's always hard for like so I I never really am into those kinds of stories. Chris, but the with anyone. But my but my big thing about this movie <laughs> is because that I'm rich and loaded. I'm part of the upper class, so my problem with the movie and like you know kind of spoiler here for where the story goes. If you're not that interested, stop it right now. Come you know fast forward a little bit. But my problem with this, I guess, ultimately is that I was very disappointed that the infidelity investigation honestly doesn't go anywhere. Like it goes somewhere in that she finds out that he's not cheating, but in terms of like the movie, like when I walked away with it, I thought to myself and even said to Rachel out loud, I don't get what I'm supposed to take away from this movie. And I think a better story is not that her husband is cheating, but maybe she's considering cheating, right? Because, you know, what, how, for whatever reason, whatever they're out in life, she's considering cheating and it's through hanging out with her father and seeing how he acts and then reflecting on how her mother felt is where she decides that she maybe she doesn't want to live that life so she doesn't and then works at her marriage like i think that's way more interesting than anything that we see in the movie yeah also i don't i don't know i because at least in that scenario, like you take something away from the movie where it's like, oh, OK, maybe life isn't always greener on the other side. Like whatever. You know, all, these are all things we've seen before and seen a million times. Um, but I guess for me, it's just more interesting because at the end, it's like, oh, OK, so she just made it all up. It's like what? She's just a bored, rich housewife who invented shit. And now things are fine and hunky dory. Like, I guess I just didn't get what the point of this was. I mean, like, were you like, not accent, like what's the point of this movie? Did you not believe that it was happening even for a moment? Well, that's the whole thing. Like for the whole movie, I was like, okay, he is cheating on her, and it's just about how they catch him or whatever. But then to just be like, oh no, it's just I was just in my own head and I'm insecure and I'm jealous or whatever. Like I don't know, maybe that's more true to life, but maybe I mean, in I... this case it just doesn't make a good movie. I don't know. I guess they could have made it more punctual about, like, the father and daughter relationship kind of coming to a bigger boil or, like, leading up to that bigger boil. Like, they could have had more payoff in that relationship. But besides that, you know, I thought it was a pretty well-constructed movie. I thought it looked cool. I enjoyed each character. Like Zach said, I enjoyed their chemistry. I thought the jokes were funny. I, it doesn't really matter to me that there wasn't much payoff just because I don't think the payoff was supposed to come from the husband. I thought it was supposed to come from the father-daughter relationship, which I felt I got, maybe not to the degree that I wanted. But either way, I felt it kept a good lighthearted feel throughout the entire thing. And if it kind of played to that fact, it takes it in a different – it changes the light. Which would have kind of tainted the feel you get from Bill Murray being Bill Murray. I guess with like all, all like plot problems that I have, 
I would say the other big issue that I have is Bill Murray. I think he's wrongly casted. I think Bill Murray is naturally charismatic and a very likable guy. I don't think there's anything likable about this character whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think Bill Murray was wrongly cast. I think my problem with it really comes down to I don't think we see enough of Rashida Jones's personal life to get like why she would be so um like to feel like her life is such like such a mess. Like I know they talk like they show a couple times where she's like, "Oh, I'm just struggling to write and whatever." But it's like you get a couple scenes of her like pounding away on the keyboard and then like deleting what she wrote and like that's supposed to be a placement for a struggling writer or like i never really got the sense that she's having a hard time raising the kids on her own or like you know her kids are pretty seem pretty perfect it's not like they're acting out or you know creating like this monster scenario to be home or whatever like i don't know i guess it was hard like from what i saw it was just like you're really in like a midlife crisis to think that your husband's cheating. Like, at least make things seem a little bit more worse than what they are. Like what you're trying to make them out to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. Stop bitching, Rashida Jones. Jesus. Hmm. Or like, put some pressure on her. Like, she's like saying that like she signed this book too before she even wrote a book. Like, how can why is why could you throw something in where someone's like harping on her like hey like, we really need this book you're you know x amount of days past the deadline where you said you were and then she's got nothing written you know what i mean almost like an adaptation type of thing and she's got to figure out how to like pull it all together or like i don't know her kids are fucking terrible they're like i don't know doing stupid shit around the house or just making life miserable for her where she like needs her husband to be around but the whole time I was like, "Yo, Rashida, you could be on your own and fucking handling this thing like a boss." Like, I, I don't, I don't see what the problem is. I guess you guys wouldn't just get rich people problems. I don't get rich people problems. It's also, just a lame conclusion. Like, oh, surprise! He wasn't cheating. I would rather he was. Like, at least then there's something like. That's, there. Exactly, that's exactly what I said to Rachel. I was like, is it bad of me that I wanted him to be cheating on her this whole time? <laughs> At least then it feels like it was all for something. Like you accomplished something. But like you get to the end and it's like, oh, I wasn't cheating. I flew all the way home to surprise you. Ha 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 ha. Like, really? That's the ending here? This sucks. Wow. Harsh feelings. Yeah. Fuck on the rocks. Yeah, I certainly, I, I didn't hate it by any stretch, but, you know, I certainly didn't like it, and I certainly wouldn't put it on this pedestal that I know a lot of people are. Yeah, I think this is a true, like, hey, there's not shit being released, so anything that comes along that's even remotely decent, it's like, oh my god, this movie's great, I'll, this movie's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like you guys with First Cow? No, First Cow is an amazing piece of art. This no, that's, is a a generally, that's generally top three movies of the year. It's not saying much. You just didn't get it, Chris. You're right, <laughs> I guess. Is On the Rocks a top five movie for you of the year? Yes. That's disgusting. Oh, whatever. Or, okay, 
Would it be in your top ten? Is it better than any of the ten movies that were in your 2019 list? I forget what the, was at the bottom of my list from last year. Sadly, sadly, I think only two movies from this year could be in my top ten from last year. I mean, it probably wouldn't be. The only movie this year I could say confidently could be in my top ten of last year is Who Be Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that with every fiber of my being. You're telling me it's not I'm thinking of ending things? I fucking got. I forgot about that. That's a good one, too. Um, yeah, I don't really have a lot to say about On the Rocks, I suppose. Early is nothing much else that I haven't already quibbled over. It's just okay. like... I it's such a generic story. And, like, I, w- I would honestly be interested to know, like... Is this something that, like, Sofia Coppola wanted to do? Or did Apple TV just, like, come to her and be like, hey, why don't we throw you this idea and see what you do with it? Well, it could be something where, like, they're, yeah, like... You got Bill Murray attached, basically. Like, what what could you do? if Do you want to work with him again? Well, it kind of just seems something like, you know, Apple TV comes along, says, hey, Sofia Coppola, do you got any anything you want to, you know, pitch to us? And she says... I'm not going to give you the, these ideas, but there's kind of this idea I had about, a, you know, a father and daughter trying to rekindle over her thinking her husband's cheating. And they're like, sounds good enough. Here's some cash. Go do it. And she's like, okay, you, I will. All right. Thanks for the money, honey. I want the money, honey. Come on, oh, honey. I dur- give me that I certainly, I certainly don't think this is Sofia Coppola's top tier idea. That she was dying to get made. It was more just like pitch the, uh, you know, the fifth idea, whatever, to them. Kind of like the Coen brothers doing Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, that's... I just don't get it, I guess. I wanted wanted to like it because I like everyone involved except Rashida Jones. But... I don't get how you can dislike Rashida Jones, I guess. I don't like her. See, I thought everybody was fine. Like, I think I think all the performances were fine. Like, I do like Bill Murray. I got some laughs out of him. I like Rashida Jones. I liked her husband. Um, it's just like the story in general seemed very boring, very generic, and I just really didn't take anything away from it. This movie is like every comedy in the '90s. Like that's that's what it was. Yeah, and like I'm not even saying I got anything that endearing or anything like a revel like a revelatory about Kajillionaire, but at least like I made the argument that it's like different than anything I've seen. Whereas On the Rocks just feels like there's got to be a fucking million of these things on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon. You ain't lying. <sighs> <laughs> I was going to give On the Rocks out of five stars. I'm going to give it a four. It's a three for me. It's a three for me. Um, Let's move on and talk about, did you guys watch anything else this week? Anything you want to talk about, at least? Yes. 
Go ahead. Indeed. Um, let me get my notes up. I watched Harold and Kumar go to White Castle and Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. Oh, busy week in quarantine. I have no I fucking idea how they got Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay made. What <laughs> the absolute fuck was that? Was that early 2000s? I want to say so. I want to say it was like 2004. So, hold on, I'm actually going to look this up. They had Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. The beginning of the movie is them getting on a plane. And the whole thing is basically them t- making jokes about 9-11 and shit. And this was in the early 2000s. So I'm just really fucking surprised they got away with it. <laughs> it, was, it was just a wild time. Uh, but I fucking love that Neil Patrick Harris is in all these movies. I really like the first one, Go to White Castle. That one's an absolute dynamite movie. Oh, fuck. That was in 2008. Never mind. That was seven years after. I'm not surprised <laughs> anymore. But Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle is an absolute dynamite movie. They have such funny moments. Like, it follows a similar pattern every single time. Like, they get lost, they get in trouble, and they have to, like, get to the next step. And then once they get to the next step, they end up in some guy's house in the middle of the woods, and it's a weird situation. And then they escape, and then they get into more trouble, and it's just kind of like a repetitive pattern. But, like, they take it to such weird fucking places that I'm super down with. And when they escape from Guantanamo Bay, they eventually get to a point to where they dive out of a plane with a parachute on. They land, and they land in fucking George W. Bush's house. And (laughs) he's sitting there, and they're just like, he's fucking smoking weed and shit. And he's just like, are you kidding me? I couldn't legalize marijuana. My dad would be pissed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was so good and there's like it's like no man you can't let your dad stop you from that she's like yeah you're right i'm president of the united states and then he gets on the phone he's like he's like yeah fuck you dad i'm gonna do what i want i'm president i don't do what your friends told me anymore and then he hangs up and oh fuck did i laugh <laughs> it's such stupid humor. Like it's such stupid humor, but it's so good. I have not seen Escape from Guantanamo Bay. Chris, did you watch the Christmas one? No, I haven't. Holidays. We're getting there, but a month left, and sure, I'll pop that bad boy in. Oh, Chris, you're gonna like this. <clears throat> I just put the digital copy of Scrooged on Voodoo. Scrooged. The Bill Murray movie? I don't know that one. It's like a take on the Christmas on a Christmas Carol. Never heard of it. The only Scrooge movie I know was that one with a uh, word uh, fucking that duck from Disney. Yep, the same story. Scrooge Christmas Carol. Well, that's the only one that I've seen like that, and I wanted to watch the Jim Carrey version, I guess. Well, now you can watch the Bill Murray one. Well, speaking of stupid humor, uh, I watched from 1998, directed by Frank Caracci. Uh, this would be The Water Boy. Nice. 
Um, you know, Chris is pretty terrible at most impressions, but he really nails the Roberto impression from Waterboy. The what impression? <laughs> when Bobby's dad comes at the end of the movie. Oh, <laughs> it's me, your dad, Roberto. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck yeah! Oh, so I saw you on the ESPN. <laughs> oh my gosh! With oh. a big booty woman named Phyllis. <laughs> oh my god! This movie is hilarious. I love the Water Boy. I was really nervous, like watching it. Because rewatching Little Nicky, like I did not find it to be as funny. But this one I still think holds up. I mean, it doesn't, but it's... Just... <laughs> <laughs> he... Like, the, the the first time fucking Harry Winkler, like, he goes to Kathy Bates to try to convince her to let Bobby play football. She's like, you will not... Football belongs to the devil. I, I forgot that everything she says like is belongs to the devil. <laughs> And then, like, he's leaving. he's leaving, and he's like, you know, my mother told me not to get a tattoo of Roy Orbison on my ass. Or my mom doesn't know it doesn't hurt her. He plays his <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I died. And then I totally forgot about him driving the lawnmower everywhere. That was his vehicle. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> when he did, when, uh, fucking... Uh, Lawrence Taylor sitting there. He's like, that, kids, is why you don't smoke crack. <laughs> I love when Vicky soups up his lawnmower and he's cruising down the highway. I don't know. no. It's a fucking great movie. I'm sorry. You still be my friend? No, I hate you. Get away from me. (laughs) Needle dick. Needle dick. Needle dick. Where's the needle dick? (laughs) It's another one of those movies where he doesn't need to do a voice. He just commits to it. (laughs) It's true. It's too bad at no point he's to go, Rocky Balboa style. <laughs> Shit, I gotta watch an Adam Sandler double feature, apparently. I So I had totally forgotten that Vicky Valancourt is, like, a criminal. And, like, the first, like, he, like, the first time we meet her, he's, like, walking out to his lawnmower, he's there, and she's like, oh, I just got out of prison. And then, like, she, like, threatens to kill all these people. We taking that fucking test his GED. Oh shit! Yeah. Classic movie. Classic. That's in my top one hundred, guaranteed. Uh, and then I also rewatched Big Daddy, which is still hilarious. Uh, I've seen Big Daddy. In a very long time. Even longer since I've seen The Water Boy. 
It's good. I, funny thing is, I haven't seen The Waterboy in years too, but I still can fucking quote almost every single line from that movie. I, I know. I we watch it so much as kids, it's just like ingrained in my brain. And when he calls Captain Insano laying in bed. Captain Insano, that's right. <laughs> fucking gosh. I cannot tell you how many times I've re- in the market. For a highly experienced water boy, how old are you, kid? Seven, eight. He's like, I'm 32 years old. And they just start laughing. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I rewinded the scene where he's like, "What would Captain Insano do?" And he just fucking pokes him in the eye. And he's like, "Captain Insano shows no mercy." <laughs> <laughs> Something. <laughs> Oh, fuck. The Colonel Sanders? No, Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. <laughs> Mama's right. Mama's right. Something's <laughs> wrong with his medulla oblongata. <laughs> that he's like, he's basically the same as Quentin Tarantino in Little Nicky. Like, he's just the character that all these shitty things just happen to. Oh, shit. It's a recurring theme. Why was Quentin Tarantino and Little Nicky? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? If I ever meet the man, that's the only question I'm ever going to ask. Why were you and Little Nicky? All the things. <laughs> Why Little Nicky? Yeah. What'd you watch? Let's see. Well, I watched a Borat subsequent movie film. Have you guys watched this yet? Not yet. Um, I'll say that I it was funnier than I was expecting, but I still overall didn't really care for it that much. Um, I think it's kind of with like On the Rocks. It's just like, what's the point of making another Borat movie? Funny. Kind of, but not really. Like there is some, there is, there is one scene that had me dying laughing. Is it the Rudy Giuliani scene? No, that was really not that funny. Is it There's the Mike Pence scene? scene? That's really not that funny either. Oh. There's this scene where they're trying. So they're so also the, so the point of the movie is that so Borat for the last however many years has been in a gulag because he's brought disgrace to Kazakhstan, and so. Like the Kazakhstan government has this idea where if they can get faith with Mike Pence and Donald Trump, then then they'll like be back in good terms with America. So they bring him out of prison and send him to America. And the idea is that they're supposed to gift him this monkey. Um, but the monkey ends up dying en route to America. And so smug like who like his daughter ends up be like smuggling in the crate with the monkey. And so he's like, well shit. He's like, I don't have the monkey anymore. He's like, but maybe I can give Mike Pence, my daughter. And so the idea is that he's trying to prep his daughter to like, be like a, like a perfect or like a basically like get her up to speed and like be this like beautiful woman to, you can give her to Mike Pence. So there's this hilarious scene where they go to this, they go to this um, bakery and so he orders uh, – so he's ordering this cake that he's going to give to Mike Pence along with his daughter, and his daughter sees this cupcake. 
and it's got a little baby figurine on the top of it. So they buy the cupcake or whatever, and they go out back, and so she eats it, but she's never eaten a cupcake before, so she just eats the whole thing and swallows the plastic baby. So then Borat takes her to a Christian doctor, and the whole time he keeps saying, my daughter has a baby inside her. I need you to take it out. (laughs) (laughs) And that scene just got me slapping so hard. He's like, well, sir, like, you know, that's not really what we do here. He's like, I feel so bad. He's like, I'm the reason there's a baby in her belly. Like, you got to take it out. <laughs> like, it's it was hilarious. But overall, like, I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, they kind of play into the fact that Borat's really famous now. So they kind of work his daughter into the plot that way. As sort of like a way to, like, carry out his antics and whatnot. Um, but like, you know, but like by using his daughter and, you know, there are definitely some moments that I laughed and thought was funny and it was okay. But all in all, I was still kind of just like, I really did not need a Borat too, honestly. That's kind of what I had feared. Cause like with the first one, he would really be allowed to embed himself in certain places with no one really knowing what was going on. And that's just not... Like, this entire movie has to be self-aware because everyone is now aware of who Borat is. Right, exactly. And, like, like, Borat at first was sort of, like, making fun of American culture. And then when it shifts into, like, just making fun of American politics, it's like, like, yeah, of course there's material for that. But there's, like, other people who have done it better than, like, Borat commenting on like American politics like it's just not that interesting like in Borat you can you can truly see like genuine reactions to things that he does whereas nothing in this movie can possibly be genuine because of how big Borat became and then there's like I mean the whole thing in the movie is like he's trying to like gift his daughter to Mike Pence so then like when he crashes the Mike Pence um, like rally whatever it is like, that scene comes and goes so fast. It was like, this is really what we're, like, we're building towards? Like, this is over so quickly. Like, I can't believe they didn't, play like, expand this out more. Because, I mean, like, him dressing up as Donald Trump, like, I guess is kind of funny. Like, I guess. But then, like, that's obviously going to go poor, like, and they're going to get kicked out super quick. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why they didn't try to come up with something a little different to try to get themselves into that rally so then they could like elaborate a little bit more like i don't know it just played out so quickly and then like the rudy giuliani thing at the end is definitely like shoehorned in really like really sloppily but then what isn't but what is interesting about that rudy giuliani scene is not the scene in of itself like when you sit back and reflect and think why would rudy giuliani agree to do that interview and it's kind of like begs the question, like, what other random ass interviews has really Giuliani done with people? Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, honestly, the only way to sell it, like, is for him to to then to keep legitimately thinking that he's doing an interview with, like, some young woman from a foreign country. So, like, when you see him acting, it's kind of like, okay, this guy totally thought he was going to, like, fuck this girl. And, like, that's, like, the creepiest, weirdest takeaway from it. It's, like, not anything that happens in the movie, but it's sort of just, like, the other stuff that you can kind of start thinking about and pull away from it 
that's like more interesting. Like I wish they could have like done something with that. He's a creepy looking dude. Oh yeah, for sure. But he was also in the. Because there's like the controversial. Because there's like the controversial thing where people are like, "Oh, like he was touching himself," or whatever. What? I didn't really. Yeah, you didn't even hear that. No. Yeah, there's like this thing where like in the movie he's like going like tucking his shirt or whatever. Like he claims he's tucking in his shirt. Other people are like, "Oh, he's totally groping himself in front of this girl." Like, I don't really see anything either way. But what is think creepy that people should be talking to us about? Why would Julia Rudy Giuliani agree to do this interview? It makes no sense. Unless and just like he unless he thinks a movie. Which I don't think he would be in on it to do the movie. So then it's totally like this girl, like you truly did believe this was a foreign reporter, naive girl, and you're totally going to try to take advantage of her. Like that seems more obvious than anything else that happens. Uh, I still think about the first Borat almost daily. So I've just been very hesitant. <laughs> That's almost thing too. daily? Like, they kind of go like some of the jokes are like, are very obvious like where they're gonna go whereas in like um like in Borak I thought like they were pretty genuine and it was like the reactions he got from people were like what made that so funny now this is like we don't have the genuine reactions so we're kind of just gonna write these jokes and you'll see them play out and it's like okay I guess that's kind of funny but it's still not the same like raw like Like cringeworthy humor of Borat the, the scene when he goes up to like the African American people in like Chicago, and he's like, "I want you to teach me to be gangster." Like that scene, those are just the most, and it's very obvious that the most genuine reaction from these people, and they don't know how to take him, and like it just seems like when you strip that away from the movie, it kind of loses its entire point because like. That kind of was the, like an outsider exposing American culture. Then that's that just can't happen anymore. And also, yeah. just the entire premise of him going to marry Pamela Anderson is hilarious. Because there is a scene in the movie where it's like, there's a couple things in it where it's like maybe this is canon, but at the same time, it's like there's certain things that play out too perfectly. So then you kind of start to wonder like maybe these people kind of had an idea but then also didn't at the same time so like yeah like i don't know like like what like obviously like what everybody says and like what i'll always say is like what made borat so awesome like hilariously awesome is what is like the genuineness of people's reactions and like i just don't think you get that because there are some things like you could just throw people into random situations and like catch them and then i was reading for like this is like they wanted to get a certain reaction, so like they told people as they were setting it up about this. So there's like one scene where like they go, like he's trying to get his daughter to be like a proper lady. So they go to like this prestige, like sort of like a, like a beauty pageant type thing. So like I think some of the reactions are partially genuine, but I know a lot, of, but some of it was staged to like even get people there in gen, like in general. 
Like, whereas in Borak, I think a lot of a lot of it was just like catching people on the street, acting a certain way, interviewing them about certain things, and them having no idea at all. So, like, it's not like a compl- I guess it's not like a total waste of an hour and a half, but at the same time, it's just like I still will always just be like, we just did not need this. Chris, yep. Chris, do you have anything else? Um, I watched the South Park Pandemic special. Oh, what'd you think? I thought it was funny, but it wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be, which is super unfortunate, because I've been thinking that a lot about South Park lately. Like, it's Integrity Farms. Stuff, it's like... They wore that into the ground. I understand. I thought, like, everything involved with Randy separate from Integrity Farms was funny. Like, everything with him... And COVID was hilarious. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But everything with him related to Tegrity Farms was just... It wasn't that funny. I'm just done with Tegrity Farms. Um, everything with Stan wasn't funny. I didn't think everything, anything with Eric was funny. I thought the chin diaper stuff was funny. Um, I'm done with Mickey Mouse, like the Disney play. <laughs> But it wasn't that as funny as I wanted to be, um, which is unfortunate because I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like an like an hour long South Park special, give it to me, give me the goods. But it wasn't good, so yeah, it's like one of those like you're when you're in it, it's kind of funny. But then thinking back, there's not really a whole lot to it. Yeah, like if I watched it again, I can imagine I would probably only laugh like a small handful of times. Yeah. Oh well. Um, I watched a rewatch. Actually, I I've been struggling with what Quentin Tarantino movies will make into my top one hundred, and this is one I've had to re- I needed to revisit for a while. So I watched Jackie Brown, and I I love Jackie Brown. If this isn't his best movie, it's probably top three. Yeah, Jackie Brown's one of those ones that always seems like I should love it, and then there's always something that takes me out of it. I think Pam Greer is amazing. And, I mean, it's been said a million times before. He He's great at casting. Like, Robert De Niro's really good. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton is really good. Robert Forrester is really good. Even Chris Tucker in a minor role and Samuel Jackson, like it's just it's a really it's a long movie, but it's also like really tight. And I wish he would go back to doing stuff like this. I would ra- I would rather see him make four crime movies in a row than to see him make three westerns. Like, I think this is better than anything he's done the last decade. This and Bastards, I would say, are, like, his best works. Hmm. But yeah, I really yeah. enjoy Jackie Brown. Jack, I mean, Jackie Brown's one of those movies, like, every time I watch it, it's always like, hmm, seems something seems off of it. Like, I don't love it as much as I think I should. But then at the same time, like, I'm willing to rewatch it as many times as it takes before I love it. 
speaking of that, <laughs> I watched uh, from 2009, directed by the one, the only, the man, the maestro, Rob Zombie, Halloween 2. <laughs> and I'm getting closer and closer to loving this movie every time I watch it. Uh, I, I bumped it up to a four this time around. And yes, without a doubt, the movie has its problems. But I think maybe it's just that I'm getting more in tune with him as a man. But I think I kind of understand what he was trying to do here. And I, I respect it. What do you think he was trying to do? I think he is, you know, he's developing this idea of like there is a connection between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. They are brother and sister. What the evil that exists within her, or sorry, that exists within him, must also then exist within her because they share this bloodline. I think that's an interesting idea. And, you know, obviously this one, it's dealing with the trauma of what trauma does to a person and how that changes you and yada, yada, yada. And the other thing I will... I just, I still really, really hate the movie opens with a 30-minute dream sequence. I still really hate that. It's a 30-minute dream sequence? The entire hospital scene is a dream. See, I it's haven't pop. seen Halloween. I haven't seen Halloween too. Oh well, it's great. You should watch it. Um, it's <laughs> it's probably twenty five minutes. The first twenty five minutes of the movie. Damn. And it's all a dream. That's insane. The full first act is a dream. I will say, like, in terms of the Larry Strode character, like in Halloween. She looks like a normal teenage girl, and in this movie, she looks like a female Rob Zombie, and like <laughs> it just kind of seems like there is a differentiation between him and his characters. Like they are just all the same. He is a he is every single one of them. Um, but similar to Tarantino, I, th- I also think he's pretty good at like casting these C-list actors for small roles, and they usually do fairly well. Like Brad Dourif, I think is really good, and Daniel Harris, who's in the original set of Halloween movies, is really good. I don't know. I people really, really hate this movie, and I can kind of get it, but I'm coming around. I will. I'll love it by the end of next year. Nice. <clears throat> um, I watched Memories of Murder which is Bong Joon-ho's second feature film. And I loved it. Zach, I think you would really like it a lot. Um, Chris, I think you would too. Um, but Zach, you especially, because you're, you're a big Zodiac fan, right? I love Zodiac. Yeah, Memories of Murder reminded me a lot of Zodiac um, in that there's a lot of like dark cinematography, um, You've got a uh, killer on the loose who nobody can quite seem to figure out who it is. And you think you know who it is, but then there's just quite not enough evidence to pinpoint who it is. But you kind of, kn- but you're pretty sure that you know. 
Um, Killer leaves a sort of a calling card of sorts. Um, but yeah, so but Memories of Murder is like Zodiac is based on the um, it's based on the um, first serial murders that took place in Korea. I think they're in the late '80s and spilled over into the early to mid '90s. Um, the actor that Bong Joon Ho seems to use a lot for his movies, uh, can remember, Song Kang Ho, like he's great in it. I love him. Is he the killer? No, he's one of the detectives. Oh, so that's the father in Parasite. So he's one of the detectives in this. Uh, it's really good. I think that it's really interesting. Like um, they kind of they, they figure out that the killer only kills uh, when it's raining out, and before he kills someone, he sends in a postcard to this radio station requesting to play this one song. Um, so it's like interesting. Like early on, they kind of figure that out, but then they because of the rain, it doesn't really leave any DNA. It doesn't leave any tracks. Um, so they have a hard time figuring out who the killer is. So then it's always like this cool thing where like it starts to rain outside. So then you're like, oh shit. And then they hear that song on the radio. So it's just like, I don't know, you kind of just feel like the dread for the characters where they're like, they know that someone's going to get murdered that night, but they just can't seem to get a lead on the person. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. What's, so like, what's what? Sorry. What's the song like? Played? What is he recording? Uh, I think it's is some it? Korean song. It's called "Sad Letter." I think is what it's called. It's just some, some Korean song. Ah, oh, fuck! And here I thought it was gonna be Steel Panther. No, <laughs> you. <laughs> nope, it's a Korean song. Um, but no, it's just like every time it's just like, oh shit! Like you know, someone's gonna die, and they just can't. They just can't seem to figure out who it is or like when they're gonna be because the victims are completely random. There's no real pattern. They always know it's like it's it's, it's a woman, right? But it's not like they can really uh, like stake out or anything, or like they try to like lure the killer into getting someone, but um, it doesn't work. And there's a bunch of red herrings in the movie. Like they think they've caught somebody, but then it just happens to be like a random set of coincidences that just happens to look bad for the person. Um, but no, I loved it. I thought it was great. Like I loved the ending. We absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great ending. So when the movie was released, um, they had not caught the killer yet. So he was still on the large, and like so it had been like t- ten to twenty years later, probably more like ten years, fifteen years. Um, but Bong Joon Ho had always thought that the killer would watch the movie. So the way the movie ends is like the detective, like years later, like. Um, having a conversation and he's just like looking into the camera while he's talking and kind of like getting like emotional talking about it and so he said that he like wanted the lead like the detective to be like looking the killer in the eyes and being like i know you're out there and we're going to catch you like i thought that was like a really cool ending Hmm. fucking bong joon ho dude yeah i loved it they like for a long time like i think like the U.S. had lost distribution rights to it, um, and then they just recently required them again. So then now you can like rent, uh, you can rent the or purchase the movie digitally through iTunes. So that's how I watched it for anybody who's interested. 
Could you imagine if, like, every time the song played on the radio, like, come pretty baby, sucking up balls all night, that's how you knew someone was going to die? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would choose if I was making this movie, but he didn't consult me, so. Oh, and then there's, like, this interesting thing where... Um, maybe I'm sure it's some sort of commentary on like the Korean police force, but like the, like, because like, you know, they've never had this kind of thing before happen in Korea. Like they don't really want a lot of widespread panic. So they, so basically they'll try to find anybody and then the police sort of coerce the person into giving a false confession so that they can lock them away and then sort of just be done with it. And that happens a couple times in the movie, so it gets kind of interesting to be, like, see them going through and, like, trying to convince a person and, like, try to like, get them to tell the story that matches things. Um, but then the whole time being, like, they know and you know that that's, there's no way that's the killer, but just them being so frustrated with never having faced something like this before and then just wanting them just, like, so desperately to be done with it. To have like a good public image, but at the same time knowing that they're so far away from catching the killer. Hmm. Yeah, no, I I really liked it a lot. I mean, I, I'm like I'm always like a huge sucker for like these kinds of movies, but the fact that it was Bong Joon Ho, like Bong Joon Ho, honestly, he, he's becoming one of my favorite, if not like my favorite director of all time. Like I just, I I just love the way that he's able to blend, like comedy and other things together. Like there's certain things where it's just like there shouldn't be comedy in this scene, but like he does it, and like does it so well and pulls it off. Like he just can't help but laugh. Like, I don't know. I think he's great. At that like it's like he's like he does that really well in Parasite. He does it really well in this. Um, like even like a barking dog never bites. Like I wasn't crazy about it, but there's like some good blending of comedy in that as well. So yeah, I've only got a couple more movies of his to watch, um, but I'm becoming a very big fan of his. Fan of the bong. I'm a big fan of the bong. I'd I'd rip the bong all night. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Chris, you got anything else? Uh, I'm good. Zach? Uh, I can briefly mention uh, Friday was Friday the 13th, so I took advantage of the new Scream Factory box set. Sure, sure. Dug into that. So I walked from 1981 and 1982, directed by Steve Miner. These would be Friday the 13th Part 2 and Part 3. Um... I mean, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, is probably my favorite one, but part two would be a close second. Uh, the uh, the Baghead the bag Jason is probably my favorite Jason. Baghead Jason? What's that? He doesn't have the mask in the second one. He has a bag over his head. That Ooh, seems creepy. not safe. They specifically put on the directions to not put a bag over your head. I mean, it's more like a cloth. Then. Plastic. It's not like a hanner for a bag. Is it a potato sack? I guess it's closer to what it is, yeah. Still doesn't feel safe to me. Like I can't imagine it have great visibility. 
You don't need great visibility when you're a crazy killer. What, does, does he have fucking sonar? I don't know what he's got, guy, but he came back from the dead. So you tell me. Big cock, probably. Probably, yeah. But no, they... Friday the 13th does this thing where the, uh, the sole survivor in the first... <laughs> the sole survivor in the Bless movie you. previously... Bless you. Right? Thank you. The next movie opens with them being killed. And then you get the credits. Huh. Like the girl that survives Friday the, Friday the 13th <laughs> in the beginning of part two, like the first 15 minutes is her like basically being killed. <laughs> but the credits and then the movie starts. Which is, I think it's pretty interesting. I, I think two and three are better than the first one and just have like some pretty it's, they're just fun they're fun movies Chris I got a question for you guys mm-hmm. what slasher villain do you think has the biggest penis Michael Myers he's the tallest <laughs> yeah, there you go I don't know Freddy Krueger's kind of like that skinny scrawny type though no but he's a, he's a Fucking kid diddler. Child molesters never had big penises. Is that why they're child molesters? Yes. Shit. What about the the $50 version of I Know What You Did Last Summer? How big of a dick does he have? Pretty big. (laughs) Pretty big. Yeah, I have to go with Michael Myers on this one. I don't know though, dude. Like maybe that's why he's so angry. He's not angry. He's very calm. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's calm, close. but like you're gonna be calm and angry at the same time. He maybe walks he's... everywhere. Only a dude with a big dick would have that much confidence to just walk everywhere. <laughs> you think that's what's weighing him down? He can't run because his cock is just too huge. That's also another theory. Yeah, it's weighing him down. That's <laughs> why overalls, dude. dude. <laughs> Whatever. Dude. Yeah, regular pants just won't do. No, he's got to have the baggy fucking mechanic jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, he was holding. You have room to breathe. He'd be oh. bursting at his jeans. He's got to wear coveralls. I don't know, dude. Jason's pretty big. Yeah, but he also was a kid when he was killed. Yeah, but he Generally also fully comes back. Yeah, he's a grown man with a little kid dick. <laughs> That's the only part that didn't grow is his penis. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else, sure. Not his dick, though. Well, fuck. I mean, I, I would assume Jason's more of a grower, not a shower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, Zach, you were saying? No, I don't think I'm going to go any further. Uh, last thing that I'll mention I watched worth mentioning as I watched um, In the Mouth of Madness directed by John Carpenter this is a pretty interesting story for anybody who likes uh, Stephen King stories or H.P. Lovecraft stories this is right up there with sort of has a similar feel to it Uh, it's about uh, what's about um, it's about this author 
named Sutter Kane who goes missing and he's he writes Steve he like he writes stories that are very similar to like Stephen King they sort of they even compare it to him to him to that in the movie uh, but he goes missing so they the company hires um, an insurance fraud investigator played by Sam Neill to go find him <clears throat> or to at least figure out what happened to him and so they end up like going to this like fictional uh, New Hampshire town where uh, basically what ends up happening is they find out is that basically Sutter, Sutter Kane is writing this new book called In the Mouth of Madness and whatever he writes is what happens it starts what hap- is what starts happening to the world um, and so everything sort of gets like sucked in to this uh, like reality of his and um, yeah I thought it was pretty weird and pretty bizarre but i liked it quite a bit i think sam neil's really good in it um and it's just like it's like just i don't know it borders the line between like goofy and scary i think pretty well right i think there are some genuinely creepy stuff in it but then some stuff you know you just can't help but laugh at it um and this was one of the things i had bought like over a month ago and it just finally came from scream factory Sounds about right. Yep, just finally came, so got to watch that. And next, I'm going to watch. I need to watch Prince of Darkness and The Fog. I got to watch Transformers one through five. Yeah, you do. You got to get going. You got and a then good I week get... ahead of you, though. I'm definitely not going to watch any of these Criterion that I bought. So no, no those go on a shelf and wait. You'll love the first two. It starts to dip at the third one, but once you get to the fourth and fifth, all picks right back up again. <laughs> I gotta watch the brood. I don't know what that is. Uh, Chris, you got anything else? I am tapped, my friend. Zach, I'm dead. All right. Uh, do we know what we're doing next week? Um, no. Yeah, is there anything coming out? Anything on streaming? When's Mank come out? I think that's out. It is out already? Or at least it'll be out by the next time we record? I don't fucking know. November 13th, 2020. Oh, Oh, so it has already come out. Cool. So you guys want to review Mank next week then? Wait, is it on Netflix? Yeah. yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? I'll watch that shit right now. I haven't yeah. seen it on Netflix though. I think it'd be advertised. Yeah. I definitely was expecting it to pop up. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, supposedly it's on um It's on there. Netflix. You found it? Yeah, Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, David Fincher. It's right here. Yep. Oh, yep. coming December 4th. What? Yeah, Wait, what? It, says, it says November 13th release day on Google, but it says coming December 4th to uh, to Netflix. Are they trying to do a slight, the- a small theatrical release then? Maybe. Before. Yeah, limited theatrical release on November 13th before beginning to stream on December 4th. Why? For Oscar contention. Are you fucking kidding me? Why can't, can't people just like pump the brakes on that? 
It's going to be, there should be an asterisk next to any Oscar that wins this year. I mean, there probably will be, but that's what they're going to, but that's, that's what's going to happen. Yep. Shit, well, I guess we'll have to reconvene and figure out what we're going to do. <sighs> Survivor just got on Netflix. We could do that. Oh, there you go. Didn't um, Freaky come out this week? Oh, that might have. That might also be theatrical, too. Oh, really? Oh. We'll figure out something. Um, But until next week, uh, thank you for downloading, and thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with something. Oh, my gosh. Listen to this title. Until next week. Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton's Freaky Rules over box office with $3.7 million debut. <laughs> That's nothing. Shit, dude. Um, but until next week, bye-bye.